Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. What's up, good people? Hope you're having a great day today. I am so glad you are in the house. I want to give a warm shout out and a welcome to all of you here at the Central Durham campus. I want to welcome Coffee House campus upstairs here at the Durham campus. I want to welcome North Raleigh, Sanford, North Carolina Correctional Institute, Garner, Columbia, Kenya, Internet, and... We've been wanting to go there, no joke, for three and a half years. Three and a half, didn't do it, she says. Three and a half years, we have been tenaciously pursuing a campus in this town because so many of you in Central North Carolina live in this area. And it's just a testimony to the fact, listen to me, people. When God sets a vision before you, don't you ever say no. Don't ever put a period where God just puts a comma. Hello. Hello. And so our next campus is Hillsboro, North Carolina. Woo! Hillsboro, baby. Hillsboro. Incredible city, town, growing unbelievably. And uh, we have been pursuing this one location, like I said, for three and a half years. One location. And some of you who know Hillsboro, there uh, used to be a really large church in Hillsboro. I mean, really large. Like, mega church, 1,500 people, and uh, it was called Abundant Life, Abundant Life Church, and uh, after a long relationship and uh, negotiating and working it out and all that kind of stuff, and that group deciding that God was calling them somewhere else, we are now moving into the old Abundant Life building, which will now be New Hope Hillsboro. Come on, celebrate one more time. And some of you, some of you need to go to that campus. I don't know why y'all think that's funny. Like, I'm serious. I'm looking for pioneers. Pioneers. Who wants to go launch another campus? Who wants to go into a new area, redeem people? I see hands popping up. I love it. And they're raising it for Hillsboro. Outside today, outside today, there is a tent. And this goes for any of the campuses, by the way. Any of the campuses. Your campus pastors will support me in this. If you feel called to go, you go. You help us launch this campus. Every time we launch a campus, we need to peel off. Check it out. We need to peel off a couple hundred people. Straight to a new area to go in with a laser-focused vision to reach, teach, and release. Pastor Chris Peltz, who preached up here on this stage, I don't know, a month or so ago, uh, is going to be preaching up here in the future, an amazing communicator, an amazing man of God. Uh, He is the Hillsboro campus pastor, and uh, there is a tent outside at Central Campus. If you're interested, he's going to be out there for you to sign a clipboard so he can get your information and get to know you. If you're at one of the other campuses, you're like, well, we don't have a tent. I know, but you have a Connect card. Fill out your Connect card. You're like, well, we've already received the offering. I know. Um, I'm working it here. I'm working it. Fill out the Connect card and give it to an usher on the way out or leave it on your seat and say you're interested in Hillsboro. We are very, very excited. Um, Hey, I just want to do a couple. I want to do something different today. I want to just kind of slow down and take a deep breath. And just talk about some different stuff today. If you've been here, you know we've done some heavy lifting. Come on. Three weeks ago, 
We had an anointing with oil service at all of our campuses. The services went two and a half hours long. Crazy. We, we've never had services that long. And we're not going to have services that long. <laughs> For a long, long time. That was a once in a decade kind of thing. But we anointed with oil. And uh, man, over 90% of you, thousands and thousands of people came to be anointed with oil at all of our campuses. Then last week, last week, Hello. Last week I preached on the Samaritan woman, and, and, then, and then I talked about a cultural issue facing us, Bruce Jenner, right? And uh, some of you just have gone bonkers over that, and you're asking for the message. It's in the Resource Center at all of our campuses, so, so go get that. But we've been doing some heavy lifting as a church. So I think there's a time for a church just to slow down and just kind of reflect on some things and celebrate some things. So I'm going to do that today. I want to I share some really big news with you. The first one was Hillsboro. And, and then I'm going to share a few other big news points. And then I'm going I'm to talk about one verse today. One verse is all I'm going to talk about. And then we're going um, to wrap up today. It's summer, kind of slower schedule, kind of. So everybody on the count of three, all of our campuses, take a deep breath, because I know you've been going hard. It's summertime, baby, summer, summer, summer. One, two, three. Oh, that's awesome. One more time. That kind of feels good, doesn't it? It is well with my soul. Let the peace of Christ fall on us today. Amen. Hey, you like my shirt? I'm wearing it only because they asked me to. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, but I actually, I, I'm, I like them. We, we got a new line coming into our resource centers, and this will be there next week in all kinds of colors. So uh, get a New Hope shirt, man. Wear it around. It's an awesome, awesome way to, to reach out. July 4th, right around the corner. July 4th. You don't want to miss July 4th. July 4th. I preached a message this week in a Jeep, in a field, down by the river. No, just kidding, just kidding. Um, no, I really did. I, I, I preached a message in a Jeep in a field, and we're going to have what I believe is going to be one of our most powerful Fourth of July weekend messages. So I just want to kind of give you that, give you the heads up on that. Um, I want to talk to you just a few minutes. I want to talk to you about insight. Insight is our annual leadership conference that we have here at New Hope Church. And if you know anything about me, anything about our staff culture, and anything about our church, we really believe in the words of John Maxwell that everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And so my question to you today would be this. Do you desire to lead in any kind of capacity? If you've got your own business, you're a parent. Oh, my Lord, parenting is leadership. Hello. Parenting, working in the in the secular marketplace, whatever that is, right? Do you desire leadership? Do you feel like God has given you the gift of leadership? And some of you might not even be aware that the Bible talks about leadership. Romans 12, 8. This is not even a part of the message. Again, we're just kind of bouncing around today, and then I'm gonna focus on one verse. But Romans 12, 8 says, if you have the gift of leadership, lead diligently. If you have the gift of what? Lead what? Diligently. And so uh Four years or so ago, we launched an annual leadership conference at New Hope called Insight. And this year, the whole theme is leading without limits. Leading without limits. And I just want to take a moment and say to you, if you desire leadership in any kind of capacity, you don't want to miss these two days. 
You don't want to miss these two days because the staff is pulling it out. I mean, this year's insight, I'm telling you, is going to be unbelievable. And what I want to encourage you to do is give yourself the gift of a leadership conference in your home church. At all of our campuses, I want to make seats available to you first. Yes, we will have lots of pastors descending on this campus from all over the Carolinas. Yes, 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 yes. But I want you to get a seat. And they're filling up. And we probably only have, the last I checked, we probably only have like right around 200 seats left. I mean, we just announced it. It's going. It's going. Um, there's an early bird rate for you. And I want to show you a promo video. And then I want you to sit back and enjoy a testimony. Remember when the church used to have people get up and share testimonies? I'm going to show you a testimony of the speaker who's going to be speaking with me this year. Pastor Derwin Gray. But first of all, check this out. Grab your calendar. Mark your calendar. Figure out how to get here because you don't want to miss this conference. Check it out. listen to that and I watch that I think it's all about the bass <laughs> Woo! you can feel it in that one can't you what a great great <laughs> man that is a promo video on a whole nother level what was the days did you catch it you don't want to miss it and one of the reasons you don't want to miss it I've already said because our staff I teach leadership but I'm telling you this year oh my word Derwin Gray good friend of mine South Carolina Charlotte area just launched a church several years ago. It is unbelievable what God is doing through my good friend. He's coming to speak this year. It is no small thing that we have Derwin Gray in the house. And just as one thing to just kind of tip you over the edge, I mean, just kind of really try to make you come to this thing, is I wanted you to hear this man's testimony that was on television not long ago. This is amazing. Guys, you're going to love this because, hey, football rocks. What's the date? The date is June, what, 14th? That means we got two months until football season. Oh, God, help us. Love me some football. Check this out. Get ready. This is a great story just to, just to sit in it. To former NFL player Derwin Gray, football was much more than a game. Football was my God. It told me who I was, how good I was, and what I was going to do. Football was my ticket to the heaven called the American dream to escape the hell that I was in. Wow. For Derwin, hell was growing up in a poverty-stricken area of San Antonio, Texas. His dad left when he was a child, and his mom struggled to care for him. Early on, Derwin says he felt the sting of rejection. Why isn't my dad around? I don't live that far from him. You know, why, why isn't he coming to my games? You know, why do I only see him sporadically? It was his grandmother that kept him focused on school, and told him he could be great one day. She always encouraged me. Ever since I was a little boy, she always said, you know, you're going to be somebody. And I remember saying to her, I said, you know, 
Uh, I'm going to do something with my life. That something was football. I learned real quick, football gives me an identity. You know, I'm a football player. Football gives me significance. Man, I am a good football player. It was his bitterness toward his dad that fueled the fire to succeed. In my mind, I was like, I'm going to make it without you. And so I would find myself saying, I'm going to prove you wrong. You should have stayed. So I think really what was happening in me is I was trying to prove to him that I was worth staying for. Derwin also saw football as his ticket out. He worked tirelessly and earned a scholarship to Brigham Young University. My main concern was this. I can go play football. I can play for a great coach. I can be on TV and I can go to get a great education. On campus, Derwin met Vicky, a track athlete. They married while still in college. After graduating, he was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in 1993. It was a dream come true. It was exhilarating. It was it was vindicating. I mean, it was like we did it. My family may have been happier than I was. You know, because I mean, we didn't have a lot of good news to share out of the Gray family, and this was good news. As his NFL career took off. Derwin admits he wasn't a good husband. Because I really didn't care. Well, all I cared about was football. And so, yeah, I love my wife, but I didn't know what love was. I didn't know what being a husband was. One day, a teammate asked him if he knew Jesus. Every day after practice, he would take a shower, dry off, wrap a towel around his waist, and then ask my teammates, do you know Jesus? But I didn't want nothing to do with him. I didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. I didn't want nothing to do with a half-naked preacher. <laughs> At home, Vicki had come to faith in Christ and began to pray for her husband's salvation. I found myself just wanting Derwin to have the same feeling, the same peace, and the same hope that I had. As the violent collisions began to take their toll on him physically, Derwin realized that his NFL career would come to an end. I knew one day they would tell me, you can't play anymore, and I would just blow away this god of football that I had constructed. Because if they took football, they take my identity, they take my significance, they take my mission. Therefore, they take me. As the injuries mounted, Derwin needed encouragement. So he started asking his teammate about Jesus. I saw the way he loved his wife. We would talk about spirituality and stuff. But when I started getting hurt, I started listening. And so we go through year four and it's going pretty good. We make it to the playoffs, but man, I get hurt again. Derwin's health continued to deteriorate. He realized he needed more than football. And I just had this feeling I'd never felt before. It was just like this chasm of emptiness. My words don't even do justice to it. But what I knew was this is, man, I need, I need to really be loved. I need forgiveness. Um, I need rest for my soul. Um, I need to forgive my dad. And I recognized that I had this woman that I could not love, no matter how hard I tried. Then he called Vicky. And I said, I want to be more committed to you. And then before she could even say anything, these words rolled off my tongue. And I want to be committed to Jesus. And man, when that happened, the best way I can describe it is I knew for the first time in my life, I was loved. That when Jesus went to the cross, that that was God the Father saying, Derwin, 
I love you. Once Derwin came to faith in Christ, I think some of the biggest changes that I saw were his, what he valued changed. I was watching Derwin's passion to be a husband and a father grow, and his passion to be a football player started to lessen. He went on to finish his career with the Carolina Panthers before injuries forced him to retire. But that decision was an easy one. Well, at that time, Jesus was my God. So, man, I was happy. I was smiling. The more I studied, the more I learned. It was like, I want to know Jesus more. And the more I knew him, the more I loved him. The more I loved him and knew him, all of a sudden my life was being transformed. It changed the way I interacted as a husband and as a father and even my purpose for life. Derwin says he also forgave his father and put away the bitterness. Since then, with two children, he and Vicki have started Transformation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. But the very God of the universe says, I'm going to live in you. I'm going to house in you. And he defeated my past. He defeated my sin. He broke the chains in my life. Looking back, I see that every rejection I received would make the invitation of Christ so much better. Because um, rejection meant that somebody did not want me. But Christ's invitation says, I want you. Come on now. That's not a great story. You're thankful for the power of God to change your life. Let me hear an amen. What a story. I love my brother. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You know I have high standards. The brother can preach. You don't want to miss Insight 15. Go to our church website, newhopechurch.org. Go to Insight Conference website. Register. Hey, for those of you who are on Twitter, pick them up. Follow Derwin. Give him a shout out. Tell him we loved on him in church today. Tell him we're looking forward to welcoming him at Insight. And then do not miss it. I'm here to tell you the gospel is so powerful. Men, men, listen. I know we have dreams of sports, and I know women do too, but come on. You know what NFL stands for? Man, you know what NFL stands for? Not for long. The average tenure in the NFL is so short. And here's a man who reached the pinnacle of football and found that Christ Jesus trumped it all. Amen. Amen. I love it. Yeah, you can clap and celebrate again. So, um,. Two weeks ago, anointing with oil, bam, I, I was your priest. I told you last week that the calling that people like Derwin and myself have, it's to pastor, priest, and prophet. Pastor, priest, and prophet. And uh, two weeks ago, I was really your priest and anointed you with oil and prayed over you. And I was so honored and I felt so unworthy. Last week, uh, God called me to put on the prophetic role. And I, I tried to speak to our culture and where I think we're going and, and some of my greatest concerns for this beautiful country that we love. This week, I'm going to slip right on back into the pastoral role. And I just kind of want to talk to you from a pastoral perspective, from a shepherd perspective, and just kind of speak to the movement all over the Carolinas and into Kenya. And I want to do so by simply saying this. Today, I want to step back and I want to thank all of you for what you have done and how you so generously support the ministry of this church through your financial support. 
I want to say thank you to every single person here. Because of you, we're launching campuses. Because of you, we've adopted villages in Haiti and Kenya. Because of you, right now we're digging a deep water well that will provide clean drinking water for children all over the Kenya area, western Kenya. Villages will come from miles just to get clean drinking water. Because of you, we have great adult worship celebrations at all of these campuses. Because of you, we're doing local missions. Because of you, we get to launch more campuses to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want to do today is say thank you. If you sow into this ministry, thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't think people like me thank people like you enough. I've told you guys before, uh, I think I've shared it one time from this stage, I went to the bedside of an elderly woman who was getting ready to pass away at the last church I served, and I was sitting around her bedside, and it was the last days for her, and I looked at her in her eye, and I said, Miss Mary, I want to thank you for supporting the ministries of the church with your tithe. And tears started rolling down her face. And I said, why are you weeping? She said, all my life I've honored God with the biblical tithe. And no pastor has ever said thank you. And in that moment, I made a commitment that I was going to, on a regular basis, thank the people of God who sow into this ministry so that we can go forth with reach, teach, and release around the globe. So thank you. Secondly, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage others of you to get on board and be a faithful contributor to the things of God. Now, some of you know this, and I can already feel it in the room, but we're going we're gonna to address it and then we're going to move on. Money can be a sore subject in the church. Money can be a sore subject, and here's why. Sometimes, and maybe you've been to churches like this, sometimes pastors talk way too much about money. Way too much about money, right? But other times, pastors don't talk enough about money which is equally as bad. And you do, come on church, come on. You do want me to be a biblical preacher, right? Let's do that again. You're like, eh, well, when, when the subject's Bruce Jenner, not necessarily money. No, no, no. You do want me to be a biblical preacher, right? Did you know this? Did you know in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses deal with money? One out of every six verses deal with money. Of the 29 parables Christ told, 16 deal with money. 29 parables, let that settle in. And 16 of them deal with money. And when we sometimes talk about money, we, we, we sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll start to think that of giving money to the church is like a chore. Like it's a bad thing. When in reality, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Can I get an amen? A cheerful giver. Giver, And when you give to God's work, listen, you get a double blessing. You get a double blessing. First, because God loves a cheerful giver. And if God loves a cheerful giver, God loves to bless cheerful givers. Secondly, though, because you have the joy of investing in the church of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. Come on, church. Do we have any cheerful givers in the New Hope movement? Come on, church. Any cheerful givers and those are the ones that are clapping and I, maybe you're not a clapper so you don't ever clap but that's cool but i do know that some of us are like this dude some of us are like this dude the pastor's getting ready to baptize him and the pastor says to this brother everything everything that goes under the water belongs to god 
We're like that, aren't we? God, you can have it all, but don't mess with my money. But you and I know better, amen? You and I know better, amen? So today, just in, in, in talking about money a little bit, I want us to praise God for what he's doing. Everybody say, hope rising. Everybody say, the best is yet to come. Now from the top, hope rising. The best is yet to come. Last September and October, we were in an eight-week campaign called what, church? Hope Rising. And today, I just want to kind of pause and give you an update on what's going on in the life of our church so that we can get excited about what God is doing and actually stop every now and then, take a deep breath, and celebrate what God is doing. So let's talk about the campuses that are engaged in Hope Rising. Let's talk about the Garner campus in the Water Tower town. Give it up for Garner! Garner has been engaging in the reach component through concreting their patio this summer. Check out. This is what's going down in Garner, North Carolina. This summer, they're going to be expanding their worship center and their lobby. Their seating capacity at the Garner campus is going to be increasing from 120 to 210 seats. Their worship center is pretty much doubling in capacity. They've upgraded technology. I'll let you clap in just a moment, the whole time. They're upgrading technology. They've purchased a baptismal pool for local parties on the patio. They've reduced their debt significantly. Like all the other campuses, they've boosted their technology and, and invested in our stream capability to be able to stream back so that we're communicating better with our campuses. The Garner Pledge. Let me show you their pledge. We're going to do this for the campuses, and then we're going to blow it up and celebrate. Since October, the Water Tower Town campus has given $117,000 to Hope Rising. Come on, church. Would you get up for Pastor Derek and the Garner campus? The Sanford campus in re engaging the REACH component through becoming debt-free. Our Sanford campus pastor became, as a result of Hope Rising, they became debt-free as a community of faith. They're pulling, uh, the word is they're pulling out the pews. Glory, hallelujah. I think that's the word. I got word this week that they're moving toward pulling out the pews. They're the only campus with pews, and they're going to put some awesome chairs in there, make that space multi-purpose, enable them to fit more seats into that space. Very, very exciting what's going on there. They've, uh, that'll increase their student ministries and their large group gatherings. Um, they've been engaged in the teach component, just like the Garner campus has as well. The release component, all of our campuses are engaged in the release component, adopting the villages, the deep water wells, right? Child sponsorship, all of these things. Sanford, let me show you what Sanford has given just since October. $90,000. Come on, church, celebrate Pastor Nate Mariner and the Sanford campus. Woo! North Raleigh. North Raleigh has a brand new space. They've upfit, upfitted a brand new space off of Capitol Boulevard in North Raleigh. New chairs, painted Hopetown space, uptown stage lights, screen, sound system, newly furnished cafe. They're engaged in the teach component with increasing communications back and forth with Central. They're engaged in the release components just like Garner and Sanford. And North Raleigh has given to date since October 
$1,000 to go after this vision. Pastor David Bennett, North Raleigh campus, loving those folks over there. The Columbia campus, they're kind of changing things up a little bit. They're going at a little different focus this summer with the reach component, different kind of schedule that they're having. They're working diligently to find new staff, a new campus pastor for the Columbia campus. I want to look into the camera and say we love you guys at Columbia. We're excited about what's going down. We're excited about your new schedule, and we're doing everything we can do to find them the best campus pastor we can find on the planet. Amen, church. Amen, church. Really excited about Columbia. Let's go to Central Campus. Central Campus engaging the reach component. You've noticed what's going on around here. I'll hit this really quick. We've been boosting our systems and staff to lead locally. But not only locally, as a central staff, we have to lead globally. So we're pouring into the other campuses and leading the extension staff. Construction is fully underway. We have laid the concrete slabs. Hey, if you want to do something interesting today, instead of just going straight to your car, walk out, take a right or a left, and come around the sides of the building and look at the concrete slab. You'll see the footprint of what's going on there. The steel will be erected in the next couple of weeks. You'll start to see steel going on, going up around here. Parking lot footprint has already been laid out to my right and your left and should be done by the end of the summer. We have finalized our indoor playground design area. Like the rest of the campuses, we're engaged in the mission initiatives. And Central Campus, and when I say Central, Coffee House is included in that. Since October, we have given $1,222,588 toward Hope Rising. Unstinking believable very very exciting if you factor all of that in i want to show you a global slide that's all the campuses internet other people that just uh, pour into this church here is the global slide where together as all of our communities all of our campuses we have raised since october one million seven hundred thousand four hundred and seventy five dollars come on church to reach people for Jesus, teach them the Bible, and release fully devoted followers of God. So what I want to do in my remaining time is just talk to you about one verse. I want to talk to you about one verse, and I'm going to use this time today as just a summer checkup. Just a time to check up with us as a church and see how we're doing. Because I don't know if you know this, but you're smart people, so if you just thought about it, you would figure it out. The summertime can be hard on a church. You know why? All you folks go off and do your vacations, and you go here and you go there, and you should. Amen. And um, you know, sometimes what happens, though, in the financial realm, if I can just put the pastor hat on and just be very, very real with you for a moment, if we're not careful, the church can take a dip in finances in the summer. But you're not going to believe this. We still have bills to pay. As you're laying out at the beach with your umbrella drink, Virgin drink, by the way. Amen. <laughs> There's still bills to pay. There's staff to pay. The church, the ministry goes on. So what I want to do is go to 1 Corinthians 16, and I want to camp out on one verse today and just talk a little bit about finances. And we haven't done this in so long, but let's do a little bit of it today. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, if you love the word of the Lord, say amen. Here we go. Ready? Let's read it out loud. Great, great verse of Scripture. On the first day of every week, 
Each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This is the principle of the tithe. that goes all the way back into the Old Testament. The word is apodicato. The word tithe means 10%. So Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, on the first day of every week, on what day? First day of every week, set aside a what? Sum of money in keeping with his or her income, So that when I come, no collections will have to be made. I'm just going to hit three things from one verse today, and then we're done. Three things, but take out your teaching notes. Grab that pen in front of you or write notes in your Bible. Here's the first thing. Just from this one verse. Giving, if you and I are going to be faithful in our giving and honoring God with our finances, giving should be periodic. Should be what? Periodic. Periodic. On the, did you notice it? First day of every single day. Week. Now, we're going to talk about the timing of that, but you don't, don't go getting all legalistic with it, but we'll get to that in just a moment. This gets right to the percentage giving. Listen, church, if we are ever going to faithfully give God his tithe, and by the way, the tithe belongs to him. Can I get an amen? If we're ever going to faithfully give God his tithe, we have to get periodic in our giving. Systematic. Periodic. You can't get periodic unless you figure out the percentage that you're going to give to God. Have you ever just sat down and with the calculator figured out what you want to give to God to be a cheerful giver? What you want to honor God with? Are you going to do the whole tithe? Are you going to do half the tithe? Are you going to do more than the tithe? Listen, that's between you and you and God. I'm not going to get into that. But God tells me and God tells the church, hey, if you're going to honor me, if you're going to be faithful, give periodic, give the percentage, and the percentage that God calls for is the tithe. It's the what, church? This is why, by the way, at New Hope Church, you, you, might, have, you might have figured this out. How many of you grew up in churches, and again, there's nothing wrong with churches, we won't do this. How many of you grew up in churches where there were bake sales? Bake sales, man. Bake sales. Why do we make our children and our student, students sell baked goods to have money to do ministry? When in reality, if the church would just tithe, guess what? They would have more money than they know what to do with. Are you glad that you're a part of a church that pours large amounts of resources into the next generation, our children and our students, so that they can go on trips, so that they can grow in Christ? Come on, somebody tell me, are you glad that we as a church love on our students enough to give resources to them so they don't have to have bake sales? Have you ever thought about this? Here's another one. What is it? Oh, you know it. Car washes, man. Why do churches do car washes? You know why? Because churches haven't figured out, some churches haven't figured out that the way to fund the ministries of the church, the way to fund the missions of the church, the way to fund everything in the church is through percentage giving that honors God. And if the church would figure out that one, I'm talking about the church universal, and I'm talking about us, if we would figure out that one stewardship principle, guess what? You don't have to have bake sales. You don't have to have car washes. You don't have to have any other funding. You know why? The way God funds his church is through what? Men and women honoring God with the tithe. Percentage, periodic giving. And I'm telling you the very best way. I just want to invite you as clearly and as plainly as I know how to just think about, just consider e-giving. Go to our website, newhopechurch.org. 
There's cards in the chair pockets in front of you. If you want to give in a periodic kind of way, and by the way, I was a holdout on this, man. I was a holdout. My wife will tell you that for many, many years, I insisted on writing the tithe check. She would pay all the other bills. I wrote the tithe check. And I held off on the whole e-giving thing until about maybe 18 months ago. And finally realized that if I was going to do it right and honor God, I would always make up my tithe if I missed. I mean, you ever come to church? You ever come to church and you're like the person that you go to a restaurant with for lunch? Come on. Come on. You, you, you got anybody you ever go to lunch with or dinner and they always do this? Oh, man. I, I'd be like that in church because I got a lot going on on Sunday. I'd be like, oh, God, so next week I'd have to make it up, right? I held out as long as I could and finally have gone to e-giving and it is the most faithful, secure, safe way to honor God with the tithe. I encourage you to do it. Over half of our church now gives online because nobody, nobody hardly carries checks anymore. What's the first one? Giving should be what? Here's the second thing. I'm going to move quick today. Giving should be personal. Giving should be what? Personal. Not only is giving periodic, faithful biblical giving is personal. Listen to me, church. It is a very personal matter. Between you and God. I see people on Sundays, sometimes those who still do do a tithe, or I see them with their e-giving card, I see them sometimes praying over that. It is so personal. Is there anything more emotional and intimate and personal with your God than saying, God... Of all the income streams I have, I've taken the time to figure out what my tithe is. And God, I'm taking that and with not, not white knuckled tight fists, but with open hands, God, I give you your, not my, your tithe. It's so personal. Open up your Bibles to Matthew 6. You're already in Corinthians. Just turn back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says this in chapter 6 verse 20. Starting right there. Watch this. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be what? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This is why God spoke so much about money in the Bible. Jesus knew that if he can get you and I to honor him with our finances, everything else will fall in place. It was Martin Luther who said there are three conversions in life, church. Three conversions. The conversion of the head, the conversion of the heart, and lastly, usually, the conversion of the pocketbook or the wallet. That was Martin Luther. So listen to the emotional language here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Look at verse 24. Same chapter. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and what, church? Now read this last verse with me. Come on, some of us need to just read this and let it settle in. Ready, go. You cannot serve both God and money. One more time, come on. You cannot serve both God and money. There is nothing more personal than honoring God with your tithe. 
of all the money I spend during a week, the, the money I give to the church is the most personal money. I mean, come on. How many of you, show of hands, and you know, I'm not going to ask you what, what you what you invest in, but how many of you like invest in stocks, mutual funds, that sort of thing? Come on. I bet it's, I bet it's happening. Are you, are you emotionally tied to your stock? <laughs> yeah, you, you're emotionally tied to what you give to. I remember uh, about 10 years ago, uh, I, I bought stock. I'm a terrible stock buyer. I bought stock in Office Max. I don't know why I did it. I think I was consulting with this guy. I was, I was, I, it, was, it had to be more than 10 years ago. In fact, I was at Duke. And so I was getting some scholarships and I wanted to invest a little bit. And so I talked to this guy and he, invest in Office Max. So I invested in Office Max. Anybody seen an Office Max lately? <laughs> I lost all kinds, well not all kinds, I was, a, I was a Duke student, I didn't have all kinds of money. But what I put in, I lost it and I was invested in it and I was emotionally tied to it. What you give your money to, you're emotionally tied to, agree? This is why those who honor God with the tithe, those who support the local church, this is why they're so much more invested in the local church. This is why they're so much more likely to serve. This is why they're so much more likely to be involved in missions. Why? Because they are invested. It's personal. Our productions team went out this week. You're going to love this story. I it's, uh, Vicky Gibbs is one of my favorite human beings. I know pastors aren't supposed to have favorites, but Vicky's been here a long time. Vicky, I love her story for a couple reasons. One is God's fingerprints are all over it. I also love it because it represents a, a, a single person's testimony. I love single people. Any, any single people in the house? Raise your hand. All the single people. All the single people. Raise them up high at all the campuses. Oh, okay, now, single people. Stop, stop looking at me. Look around. Hold on. Hold on. Look around. Look around. All right, I don't know. You do with that what you want. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. If I was you, I'd be, I'd be like, okay. I'm, I'm instead of going that way today, I'm going that way. Uh, just, just saying, man. Um, but I love this story because she's single, man. And it's just a great, great story. And I want you to hear from people other than me whenever we talk about this tricky subject of money. This is a powerful, powerful testimony. Check it out. When you're going through it, sometimes nothing makes sense. You just got to trust. I had always grown up in the church, had become a Christian when I was about 15. I had just kind of fallen away from the church and did not have as strong as a relationship with God as I once did. And was feeling lost and really felt like God was calling me to get close to Him again. I had received a flyer from New Hope Church. Drove up to the church on Gimgol Road. I immediately saw three people that I had previously worked with. And just from seeing them and just the friendliness at New Hope, I knew that I had found my church home. So that kind of started my walk with God once again and growing in my faith. But I had not started tithing. I'd heard sermons on tithing before, but had never really taken that step, had always, you know, looked at it from a budgetary perspective instead of from a faith perspective. Benji did a sermon that really struck me in a different way. One of the key messages he had was that what tithing is, is really giving back what God has already given to us and entrusted to us. And if we do that, he can do so much more than we could do with it. It's a matter of what can we do to actually touch people for Jesus and shine Jesus's light on the world. 
and that's why we're doing it. That really hit home for me, and I started tithing at that point, and that was just another step in my walk with God and my walk of faith. At this point, I was working for a company in downtown Durham. I had also had a men's clothing store with my best friend, Nicole. It was a ton of fun. We helped a lot of guys in Raleigh, Durham dress a lot better. It was awesome. We've been open about four years. We're about to get to month-to-month profitability, and 2008 happened. Basically, the market went like this. That killed us. That was sort of the last nail in the coffin, and the store was not going to make it. And what that meant is that we both had to go personally bankrupt. And that was very difficult. With the business closing, I needed to take some of the money I had and invest it in a house so that I would have somewhere to live. So buy the house, a week later I get a job offer to go work for MTV and Viacom full-time in New York City. All I wanted to do was to be in my house, be in North Carolina with all of my friends, my church, everything else, and be comfortable. But sometimes that's not always what God has in mind. So every single obstacle that was sort of in the way of me actually moving to New York, God just sort of tore down. So I moved to New York City, which was great and challenging and fun, all of those sorts of things. It taught me a dependence on God that I had never experienced before, which was awesome and hard at the same time. So when I was preparing to go through the actual bankruptcy in June, I had looked at my budget and I had to be pretty strict about my budget because I knew there were going to be the months during the summer where I would be barely making it. I was still tithing this whole time. I sort of briefly looked at the tithe, but then I just kind of glossed over it because it was just one of those things that I considered a have to have. And everything was okay in June. And then everything was okay in July. And then everything was okay in August financially. And I kind of got through it and I was like, thank you, God. You know, I was just relieved. Um, Got to September and I knew that I had made it through that really tough time. On September the 10th, I get an email, and the title of the email was E-Giving Snafu. And I was like, what happened? And so I read the email. I don't know what happened, but for the past few months, instead of taking the money out of your account for the tithe, we've actually been putting money in. And... I hadn't reached out to the church. They didn't know what I was going through. And that the church had just somehow been depositing that exact amount of money into my account. And that is the only way I made it through the summer, financially. I said, one, turn it around, you know, make sure it's going the right way. And I said, if you can put me on a payment plan, I want to get that money back to y'all too. So over the next six months, I did my regular tithe. And then I also paid the money back that had been given to me. That was just one of those God things and one of those miracles that changed my view of just faith. And I always knew he would come through. I just had never been tested. A 
friend of mine forwarded me a job that was here back in North Carolina. But I get this job offer and I was like, well, unless it's like the dream job, I'm probably not gonna come back yet. After looking at it and considering it and interviewing for it, I was like, this might be the dream job. So I came back from New York, um, working for Capital Broadcasting, gotten back involved with New Hope, which has been great. My faith continues to grow daily, weekly. Um, I'm leading a life group now. That's really helped me not just develop my relationship with God one-on-one -on -one with Him, but also fellowshipping with others, asking for prayer, praying for others, and all of those great things. New Hope has been just amazing for me over the past decade in helping me grow my relationship with God. It's been really exciting for me to watch all of the new campuses, you know, locally as well as in South Carolina and in Kenya and all of the amazing things that New Hope is able to do. Last summer with the Hope Rising campaign, that was another time when I felt God kind of tapping me on the shoulder to get involved. So I prayed a lot about it. Prayed a lot about how to get involved financially. Prayed a lot about how much to give, all of those sorts of things. After that prayer and consideration, once again looked at the budget and everything else. Felt like things were going to be tight, but knew that God, whatever we had ended up on, He would bring me through it and trusting in Him and trusting in that. So I made a pledge and since January of this year, I have been pledging monthly with just an e-giving because that's so much easier than me trying to remember each time. So I highly encourage the e-giving. But it's been great and I am so excited to see what God is going to do with my gifts as well as everybody else's gifts. It's just amazing to know that I'm a part of something greater than myself that can impact the world in such an amazing way. This is my story. How we doing? Deep breath on the count of three. One, two, three. It's okay to talk about money in church. It's okay that we hit this every now and then. It's actually amazing because you get to hear unbelievable stories like that. Did you catch the email snafu? <laughs> I don't even know to this day how that happened. Like when you sign up for e-giving, all points bulletin. Listen closely. I don't want to make sure we're clear today. When you sign up for e-giving, when I sign up for e-giving, that's how we give every month. Money comes from me to God's advancement of the kingdom through the church. It's the tithe. Somehow or another, <laughs> money in this situation, we don't know how it happened, went from the church... To her. Did you catch that? Now, you business people are going, that's not a good business plan, Pastor. I know, I know, it's crazy, but I, I think it's kind of cool that that's how it happened. Hey, let's, let's, let's wrap up today. I'm going to show you. I'll, I'll watch how fast I hit this last point, but show me, show me your tracking with me a little bit. What's the first thing? Giving should be what? You're great. Period, uh, giving should be periodic. Most folks give once a week, twice a week, once a month. But the key is that it's periodic. Some of you even pledged the Hope Rising and you haven't even started giving yet. I want to let you know you're not going to fulfill your pledge unless you get into a periodic, systematic way to give. Some of you want to honor God with a tithe, but you've never really set it up in a systematic, periodic way. If you want to be faithful, 
go periodic, set it up, reoccurring gift. It is the best thing you can imagine. The first thing is periodic. Secondly, giving should be what? Personal. It's between you and God. Here's the final thing today. Giving should be a priority. Giving should be a what? Straight from that one verse. Come on. On the first day of every week. It is a priority. Hear me out here, church. As a man or a woman grows in Christ and they discover their complete identity in His Lordship, they understand that the most important money they spend every single week is the money that they give to the Lord and His work in the world. Think about it. The most important money that you will give is not the money you will spend on food this week. It's your tithe money. That 10% tithe is more important than your mortgage payment. That 10% tithe is more important than your retirement. That 10% tithe for me, it's more important than my social life, my date night, school loans that you might have. If you get that 10% tithe right, if you decide I'm going to honor God with the 10% tithe, it is the most important money you spend because then, listen, God gets your financial house in order. And God is a God of order. Did you know this? God is a God of order. So when Benji and Amy Lynn Kelly get their tithe right, and the rest of the staff at this church, we all tithe. We honor God with the tithe. When we get our tithe right, God then has a man or a woman whose financial house is in order so that God can then start to pour out his blessings on them. Luke 6, 38. Why don't you read an amazing verse of Scripture with me? Give, and it will be what? Go, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be. Now, this is such an easy thing to understand. This is a Palestinian illustration, clearly. There was a farming culture, and they would take the seed, or they would take the corn, and they'd take the grain, and they'd put it in these big bags or these buckets, and they'd press it down. And then what do you do after you press something down if you want to make sure it falls into all the empty spaces? What do you do? Shake it. Shake it. And then when you do that, he said that the word of the Lord says, then it's overflow. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Our God is a God of overflow. Amen? Our God is a God of overflow. And when I honor God with the tithe and I make it a priority, God then positions me to experience overflow from a generous God. Winston Churchill put it like this great quote, We make a living church by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Ours is an overflow, generous God. If you believe it and you've experienced it, let me hear a strong amen. Ours is an overflow. Can I just point out a few things and I'm done? Let me tell you something. He gave us this glorious place on which to live, known as planet Earth. If you're thankful for the world in which we live, let me hear an amen. He's an overflow giver. He formed you in your mother's womb. And he placed you here and has a plan for your life that you should prosper. Ours is a God of overflow. He has placed you in the United States of America. 
or in the beautiful land of Kenya or wherever you might reside. And if that were not enough, he has reserved a place for you in heaven so that when you die and pass from this earth, if you are in Christ, you will go to a place called heaven and reign with God forever and ever and ever. Amen. Come on, church. And he, that, that abundant life has even started here and now. Jesus Christ says, I have come that you might have what? Life and have it what? More abundantly. More than all of that. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died on a blood-stained cross for you, came on a missions trip, if you will, went to the cross, was crucified, dead, I mean deader than dead, buried, and the Father raised him to new life. Our God is so good. And if I might say so myself, he's placed you in an amazing community of faith. Look around with a people that you can call home. He is a good God. And so, yeah, yeah, he is a good, good, good God. And so faithful biblical giving, it's what church? It's periodic. It's what? Personal. And it's what? Priority. If you receive it, let me hear you praise God for it today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the way you've organized the church, God. Thank you for the way you have enabled us as a community of faith to honor you. Father, as we move now into a time of just one final song, God, I pray that you do your work. God, I've tried to speak about one power-packed verse in the Bible. But now, God, I ask you to do that which only you can do. God, I can't convict. I can't challenge. God, only your Holy Spirit can do that. God, I thank you. I thank you for so many people who honor you at this church with their tithe. Amy Lynn and I are just honored, God, to, to serve alongside them and advance your kingdom through the resources that you've given us. Father, I pray for those who might just be trying to figure this out. God, I leave them to your care. Would your Holy Spirit hover over all of our campuses today and minister and challenge and convict and encourage that we might go forth today, God, and be a community of faith full, God, chop full of cheerful givers. Because, God, I believe that as a church gets healthy, a church gets full of cheerful givers. May it be so to your glory, your honor, your fame. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.